Welcome to Detox with D-Rich, where we talk and learn from inspirational members of our community and beyond. Now, from the Little Apple in Manhattan, Kansas, a man that is more perspiration than inspiration, your host, Derek Richards. Detox. I am your host, Derek Richards, and uh, we are hopeful, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that this is going to be a good detox to your day. Thank you for showing up and listening to this awesome hour and hopefully uh, informational uh, for your day. Um, we have another awesome guest on the uh, Detox Podcast Studios, Suzanne Renberg. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Derek. Thank you, Suzanne, for being here. And um, you're here and uh, because uh, of a lot of things. One, we got connected through your passion with uh, Relate360. Yeah. And so I am just, I'm really... Uh, my both my 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 wife is now the new executive director of yes. Relate three hundred and sixty, um, so she is now getting her feet really wet mm-hmm. in that in that organization. But I am, I think it's very interesting. Ever since you started educating me about it, I think uh, I've my ears have definitely been perked. And um, it is a. Uh, why don't you first tell us what it's about, and uh, okay. we can kind of go from there. All right, sounds good. Um, well, Relate360 um, is an organization that speaks in the schools uh, to usually middle school and ninth graders because that's when they have health class in Kansas. And so we usually are in health classes and we're talking about healthy relationships. Um, so it's, it's sex ed, like it fits into the sex ed portion mm-hmm. of the curriculum, but we don't just do sex ed. We really do touch on relationships. Okay. And but schools already teach sex ed. Some do. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does that mean? Well, um, I'm sure they do something because I remember I had some sort of class when I was in high school. They well, it actually totally depends on the school and it depends on the teacher. Okay. Um, there are there are actually a bunch of schools that we work with that do a really great job of this. There there are teachers that are on it. However, that's where Relate Three Hundred and Sixty is a little bit different than just sex ed. Um, we truly do talk about um, well. One of the things we we talk about is called the whole you, and it so it talks about them as a whole person, and um, that they're bringing that into relationships. So it's not just, you know, the nuts and bolts of sex ed. It's it's about actual relationships and thinking long-term about those relationships. So that's what is different than your typical sex ed class. Um, and, and I'm guessing this sort of curriculum is not usually offered in in a school system? Not, not what we do. I mean, yeah, it depends. It really does depend on the teacher. The only thing, now somebody might, correct me on this, but my understanding is the only thing they are required to teach in sex ed is HIV education. Okay. So how to avoid getting HIV. Okay. And um, so teachers, there's, I mean, as you might imagine, there's varying levels of comfort with this subject. Mm-hmm. And so depending on the teacher, you might have somebody that like, and sorry guys, but it's usually the women that are like totally, yes, I want to dive in here and teach everything I can on this. Um, 
and then we get a lot of of the other teachers that are just like oh my gosh you know shoot me in the foot before i'll teach this stuff right? yeah it's sure. just awkward and embarrassing and we get that we really do get that and so um so that's they're they're usually super happy to see relate 360 walk in the door uh to talk to their kids about this stuff so what's how'd that how'd this journey begin with you like how did you get exposed to this and or get passionate about this this organization this curriculum well oddly enough it started before i even moved to kansas um how long I, ago was that? When I moved to Kansas? Mm-hmm. 15 years ago. When okay. I met and married this guy who's a K-State professor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, before I met him, I had a, my background was working in full-time ministry. And so I was always the one, and I did a lot of work with youth and college-age students. And so I was always the one at these... Um, with these groups, and I worked with uh, mission groups as well as in church... And um, I was always the one that gave the, like the relationship talk okay. to all the kids for for what reasons I really couldn't necessarily nail down a talent that you just kind of yeah. naturally had that yeah. that this this was important yeah this was super important to me and um, which is kind of weird because I was single till you know forever <laughs> Walter and I got we got married when I was thirty nine and he was thirty eight so yeah we did the single thing for a long long time but um, okay. But yeah, just when it came, I was just passionate about people making really healthy choices in this regard because I'd seen too many people, including close friends, just make some really devastating choices in this area. And uh, I mean, I would assume from the the classic cases, you know, this the taboo of just talking about sexual interactions or just all of that just tends to be a hard mm-hmm. subject yeah. to talk in what, whatever environment you're in, Absolutely. whether you're... Whether you're, you know, with your parents growing up or, you know, how are you going to learn this? And mm-hmm. a lot of people learn it in different ways and maybe unhealthy ways or ways that have reper- or repercussions that yeah. are really um, maybe harder for to see at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll talk about that in yeah, just we'll, a second. Yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, the... Um, so when I moved to Kansas, I became um, acquainted with um, Emily Weddle, who was, she was the coordinator of an organization called Freedom for Healthy Relationships. That's okay. What was, that's what it was called then. Um, since, and it had started back in 2006. And okay. it, it was a, um, it was a, an, an arm, a, a section of Life Choice Ministries here okay. in town. The Pregnancy Prevention, what's that called? Pregnancy, whatever. Okay. Something clinic. anyway um and so they were like the education arm of that and so they um had started had been in schools for a while and so um when i moved to town i was actually lived out in westmoreland for a while when i moved to town um i started volunteering with them for a year because they they'd been talking to me about it for a while Mm -hmm. and uh that was just at a period of time when emily she was had a house full of kiddos and just really needed to to take a break Mm -hmm. and so they asked me if I would consider that. And so so I said yes. And thought, well, why not? We'll jump in here. How long ago was that? That was five years five ago. Five years ago. Okay. Yeah. So you've been... Maybe even six years ago. Yeah. Okay. You've been running the show. Yeah. And, and, and trying to create the show. and. Well, yeah. And it was also at that point in time that um, we separated from Life Choice and became our own nonprofit. Okay. And so that was huge, right? And to start a non- to start a nonprofit when 
the program is already going is like the backwards. You're not supposed to do it like that, but, yeah. but that's just how it worked out. And so, um, so we had this awesome program going, we were in, Ooh, I don't know how many schools we were in at that point, but it was 15 to 18 schools, I think. Okay. I can't remember exactly. So, so you would call the school and say, Hey school, yep. we, we want to talk to your kids about this stuff. We yeah. think we would do a really good job of educating them. Mm-hmm. Do they, is there a qualification process or do they look at your handbook or do they just go, yeah, we know we need help and, and here you go. Here's um, the classroom and here are our kids. All of the above. Okay. So it's all different. You're, you're dealing, dealing with all different sensitivities. Right. And then they go, okay, how much do you guys charge to come in? We will accept that or we have no budget for you so we can't let you in. I think that's kind of, we'll probably get there as well that, yeah. you know, that's, that's always going to be the biggest hurdle for an organization like Relate360 oh, is. Yeah convincing the public that your children need to have education about sex right. or healthy relationships and we need tax dollars and government dollars to kind of go towards yeah. that that's yeah i think that's this is a serious investment that's yeah. absolutely worth your investment yeah whereas math and <laughs> pe uh, we don't need to we don't need to talk about that let's let's just get those things, those right, those right. programs rolling right, but right. healthy relationships that's where we might have to have a conversation. And and for good reason, right? Because, I mean, I think people assu- have assumptions about what you guys are about or what oh, you could probably. be talking about. Probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I mean, I'm a great person to have at parties. You know, as soon as people ask what I do, it's like, oh, my God, why did I ask, right? I mean, <laughs> Oh, I love it. No, I, I think it's it great. It doesn't embarrass me at all, of sure. course. And, and, you know, I'm sure I make a lot of people really uncomfortable. <laughs> we need to become more comfortable, don't we, though? Well, it's the absolute truth. I mean, Derek, you obviously know this. Everybody knows this, that the culture we live in is it's a hypersexualized culture now. Right. So why are we so uncomfortable? Well, that's just it. And so if we want our kids to make healthy choices, if we want them to have a healthy relationship future, healthy families down the road, we have to talk about this stuff. Yep. And yet, you know, I don't know what I don't know how you were raised, but I was definitely raised in a household we did not talk about this stuff. Um Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I, I don't think um I was raised in a household where I don't think we had, you know, direct sex talk. Um I think my parents would have definitely had, you know, boundaries, you know, that that kind of kept me within the the, the sure. boundaries of like, hey, you're you're doing okay, understanding what all, but but no, we didn't have like a class right. curriculum. Um, sorry, dad, but you didn't sit me down and you didn't say, you know, right. hey, dad, Derek, this is what this is, this is, this is. Yeah. And and again, I I wanted to go back and see. I'm really passionate about this because I have three boys. Right. And I am having fun talking about this stuff with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I was exposed to pornography Mm -hmm. at a young age, and I can tell now, now that I'm 40, I can actually look back and, like, see the effects, the rewiring of the brain, the the constant, like, just ticks that that come with, I think, an exposure to that. And it's, it's, I'm passionate about it because I want my boys, they're not going to be, they're not going to do it perfectly, mm-hmm. but I want my boys to at least have the tools to understand what it is that they're possibly going to get exposed to. Yeah. So we've been reading this this um, bad picture book. I feel, I feel like I get the good pictures, bad pictures. Good pictures, bad pictures. Yeah. I've been reading that with them, and that's just been yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Really easy to understand, um, really easy to walk through, and it talks about 
you know, the, the uncomfortable stuff. Absolutely. Well, I mean, porn, we, that's, that's one of the subjects that we talk about that our typical health class isn't going to talk about. We hit on porn a ton because that's just the culture that we live in and it's, it's become mainline. I mean, it's, just standard. Oh. everybody's everybody watches porn. It's just accepted that that's what they do. I don't think we take the time to really think about, and it might be different for a girl, but for a guy, you know, we had the internet. I was, you know, the internet was just starting. Yeah. When when I was in high school, right. and like we would download photos that would take ten minutes just for one photo. <laughs> right. But we would all wait, of and course. we would all just we couldn't. I mean, we yeah. saw boobs and we're like, okay, this is something that is so intriguing and yeah. so like, it get pl- yeah, and yeah. pleasurable. And it's just like, I, we gotta, we gotta have this. Right. And we, there were, there were pornography shops mm-hmm. where you had to be 18 to go into a back room or right. that, that back room of the, the DVD right. or the VHS. Yeah. yeah. And you go, what's behind that? Absolutely. What's in that room? It's, yeah. it's mysterious. I don't have access and I can't go back there. Right. And now. It yeah, is in privacy of my room. It is in your face. Yep. My kids, even if they're not searching for it, yeah. That was that was also another incident that really shook us. Was like, the our children will be innocent. Mm-hmm. My eight year old Jonah could be on YouTube and right. just just enjoying his day, and then something hits him, and it's yep. like, wow, yep. it's it's they're throwing fastballs at these kids. Totally. Anyways. Yeah. That's yeah, and they don't the journey is it's totally different. It's night and day than what oh, I grew up with. It absolutely is, and I mean, and that's one of the we actually do a parent awareness um, seminars as well as part of Relate Three Hundred and Sixty, just to help them understand what their kids are walking through, and it's absolutely nothing like what we dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that that good pictures, bad pictures is a fantastic tool for parents. Yeah, um, and dads out there that maybe are not comfortable talking about this stuff, just get the book. Yeah, and just read the book. That's all you got to do, guys. And yeah. my kids, uh, I started reading the book, I think around 10, mm-hmm. and they get it. Yeah. They get it. And the even the reactions, because they're, you know, I, again, my kids are probably going to look at pornography. They're probably going to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even now, I can tell that they've, they've, they've talked to us about things that they've seen. Right. Or even my oldest is like, you know, we were going on some website to like try to streamcast an NBA basketball game. Right. And he's like, Dad, I saw I saw this and this. I don't know what it is. And I was like, oh man, you know, it just yeah. those reactions are way better than oh, I'm shameful. Yeah. I'm feeling shame for yeah. I saw something and, and it intrigued me. Sure. Like anyways. And I'm not gonna tell anybody. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. I don't even know how to talk to you, Dad, about this. Exactly. Like we've never we've never this isn't a dialogue that's open for yeah, us yet. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what you want to do for parents. I especially encourage them if they have younger kids. It's like start this conversation now. Please yep. start this conversation now because you're setting the you're setting the foundation for future conversations when the decisions they make really do have some serious impacts. Mm-hmm. And so the like that good pictures bad pictures has a junior version that is for younger elementary, uh-huh. like for second. And third, I okay. mean, it really is for younger kids. And so obviously that's a great tool to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through it like a couple times too. Yeah, Like absolutely. we didn't we didn't even just start once. It was like we, yeah. and then once they got through it a couple times, they're like, okay, I know what the next page is going right, to talk right, about, right, you right, know, because right. it, it, it kind of helps you. It, it, it kind of drives into your brain like the tools that, right. that they're supposed to be learning. Anyways, sorry. No, but okay. okay, so let's go back to um, the beginning of, you know, you... 
being exposed, you're starting your own non for profit, mm -hmm. and um, you're getting into schools. Right. What's so? What's that? What was that like to? What is that like to be in front of these kids, at, uh, middle school and high school, or just high school? Middle school and high school. Okay. Um, it's the funnest thing. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. That's good. Yeah. These. It. Um, I mean, Emily and her team had done a fantastic job of, you know, we were stepping into something that was already going, right? We were already in a lot of these schools. And so to get into more of them, it, it was actually really easy. You just call and uh -huh. talk to the health teacher, PE teacher, and you say, you, and we have all these references, right, of all these other schools that we're in. You say, hey, call so-and-so. They will tell you all about our program, you know. And so we had, we had great, we had a super easy time getting into more schools and, um, and the fact that they keep wanting us back is that tells you all you need to know, right? Right. And, you know, they love the program and the kids love it. They love that somebody is talking to them about this stuff. I mean, yeah. we give, we do feedback forms and almost every single one of them is like, thank you so much. You know, you answered all my questions or, you know, you're talking about something that nobody else will talk about. Thank you. So it's super rewarding in that way. So if I'm a parent that's like, I think my kid knows it, what what do they not know? What did, what does your kid not know? If I'm making these like false assumptions that like, I don't need to talk to them about that, they probably already know this. <laughs> uh, could be they, a lot of things, right? Oh, the whole course? It could be so many. <laughs> well, I mean, they might know the basics of like how a baby is made. Um, right. Because, you know, they'll they'll maybe get that in the puberty class that they have in, you know, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Mm -hmm. um, but they won't know anything about the heart level thing where, you know, the emotions behind relationships and how those decisions are made and how those, those impact. You know, you've got these, these hormones and how do those play into decisions in actual relationships? And, or they see pornography and they think that's what sex is supposed to be like. And it's right. like, you know, we can demolish a whole bunch of, of wrong ideas about what sex really is supposed to look like and what it's supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. And is, so, yeah. Is it, do you feel like just throwing it at both guys and girls at Absolutely. the same time is just the, just the, or I don't know. I was just thinking like almost like guys need to be told this and, right. and specifically like you guys are going to deal with this probably more. Well, I mean, I don't know. We, we've, we've been asked that question. Like, do you separate the guys and the girls? And, um, we never have. Okay. Um, what, first of all, it would just be logistically a pain because they're, this is their class period, right? They were talking to them. But um, I actually think it's super healthy for both sides to hear what the other side, what's going to be the emphasis for the girls, what's going to be the emphasis for the guys, and for them to hear what, what healthy looks like on both sides of that equation. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think it's great for both sides to hear it. And we can also admonish, you know, the girls and admonish the guys at the same time. And so there's almost an accountability set up like, okay, we both heard this, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. So what are we hearing? Let's, I want to hear, I, I want it to be on this podcast. What are, what are these things these kids want to need to hear? They, oh, wow. we can spend the whole time here. I, I mean, I think this is just the really enjoyable part of like this information yeah. being out there. Because I want the exposure of this information to go to more parents in Manhattan yeah. and, and surrounding areas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's been a while since I've been in class, Derek. So we, maybe we that's should okay. Have, maybe you should have Maggie on here. She, <laughs> she could tell you better. Yeah. Um, well, well, we maybe we will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, well, so like I mentioned earlier, and this is the thing that counselors will tell us is the most important thing that we say. So you know, there's a lot of school counselors that are like, "Yay, we're like 360s here." And so we talk about something called the whole you. I mentioned it earlier. Okay. And um, 
So it talks about the fact that every single one of us is a whole person. There's the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, the social, and the spiritual side of every single one of us. We all have those sides. And mm-hmm. we, we teach this by just having them hold up their hand, like, you know, all five fingers straight up. And we name those, you know, emotional, I mean, physical is the thumb, intellectuals, you know, and you go across them like that. And then that's a teaching tool. We always go, what's this mean? You know, so we review it every time we come back to class. And you go, why is that important? Well, because you can't just make a decision in one area of those and it not affect the other four. Gotcha. And so it's that ties into everything we teach about from that point on. You know, even, you know, porn, um, yeah, decisions they make now, uh, gosh, yeah, it plays into everything. Is the spiritual side, is that the trickier one where people are like, oh, there it is. She's just trying to indoctrinate my children into Christianity. <laughs> right. Um, you know, that's the trick. Like, I knew that was coming somewhere. We need you to not bring that to my children. Right. Because I am not about what you're about. Well, in schools, well, first of all, I mean, you'll talk to most counselors and they will agree whether somebody goes to church or not or has a faith or not. There's a spiritual side to us, mm-hmm. to every human being. And it, regardless of who you worship or how you worship or if you don't worship anything, there's a spiritual side, there's a soul side that is that like the deepest part of every single one of us that um, wants to be known and knows mm-hmm. that there's something greater than ourselves. That's good. And so in schools, we address it like that. But we also address the fact, I mean, hello, we're in Kansas, so you can absolutely address the fact that there are a lot of kids that are raised in church. Sure. And so, um, so we in no way downplay that. You okay, know? good. Yeah, so we, we talk about faith um, respectfully, um, but obviously it's not emphasis. Now, if we were going to a church, totally different thing. And church groups do have us come in. But um, yeah. Yeah. No, we, we treat it with respect whether they, whether religion is a thing for them or not. Yeah. You know, so what else? What, so as you're, you're becoming the, what did you say, the whole you, um, what are some of the, maybe the ahas that these kids get as, you, as you're educating? Or what is, what is the data that, that you're trying to bring to? I mean. Well, um, there's one of my favorite stats that always shocks the kids is, um, shocks the students, is the percentage of high school relationships that end in marriage. Okay. And, and so we'll have them guess, you know, for it's only 2% of high school. I'm part of the 2%. You're too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm totally aware that I'm part of the two because right, no right. one else. Yeah, I, exactly. There's not many high school uh Lovebirds out there, yeah. Totally. I mean, everybody could think back to their class, and yeah, yeah, nothing. Nobody lasted. You know, yeah. there's just one or two people. I was just that weird guy that I was like, I know I'm going to marry her. Yeah, she's awesome. And so, yeah. I'm just going to wait around until she figures it out, <laughs> that she's going to marry me. And yeah, and, na- and now we here we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love those stories. <laughs> I mean, everybody loves it when those happen, but yeah, it's rare. Okay. It's rare. And, and the aha is like, oh, you mean this feeling of love that I have for yeah. my boyfriend right now, that's not going to probably last. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's going to last forever. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely po- I mean, you know, we probably all went that through that at some point. No, or you is, want this that. This is going to be it. Yeah. yeah. What a downer. Yeah, it really is a downer. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's disappointing. But um, but we just, we're, t- we're talking long term to them. Mm-hmm. And so every single one of these decisions or th- topics that we talk about is put into the long term. Okay, so... Okay, this is the feeling you have right now. This is the urgency. These are the pictures you're seeing. You want to act on this stuff. We get it. There's hormones flowing. But let's think about what the long-term repercussions could be. And it's not just a 
it's not all just bad news. We're all just we're not only talking about risks. Mm-hmm. We're talking about positive things. You know, what are the positive things you want to see down the road? So if you do want to get married and have kids, how could these decisions right now affect that story, mm-hmm. you know, down the road? And um, just helping them think long term. You know, not just today. This feels good today. Let's just do this today, which is the the classic way that, you know, adolescents think, right? Yeah. We're thinking this, I want to do this right now. I don't want to think about the long term. I would assume that that attitude is um, probably harder for maybe the guys to understand because, I don't know, and I could be wrong. I just feel like, you know the, the the dudes dealing with their testosterone and their mm-hmm. their up and coming that they have no problem with the the what they're doing with girls sure. you know it gives them status sure um they're not they're seen as studs and not you know the other bad words that girls get called sure um well i mean i'm sure in the girls you know could can feel the same way i'm sure in some aspects but um i guess the question would be asked is why why? Why is this wrong for right. what, for the, for me to make these decisions? I'm right. I'm doing okay. It's working out for me. <laughs> well, of course it is. Yeah. Um. Well, obviously, you're trying to get these kids to not think selfishly. You're trying to get them to understand that they're not the only ones affected by the. I mean, they could be affected adversely. But you're also. I mean, we're up against a culture here, right? Right. A culture that, um, like you were saying, like guys are viewed as studs. If you know the notches on the belt idea. Yep. Um, and girls are viewed as popular if if they're into that as well. I mean, there's all kinds of words we can think of that girls are called. And, oh, sure. Yeah, and none of them flattering um, in terms of that. But and with social media right now. Oh my word! That's 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 what I I don't have a sensitivity to that because I I can't imagine my uh, rap sheet <laughs> for what I did in high school still being alive and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, on the internet somewhere. That oh, would be, right. that'd be frightening. Oh yeah. I wanted those bad moments to go away. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you think about the, the people in our culture that are highlighted, you know, who are the stars and you know, what do they, what do they do? What's their behaviors? And those are always, I mean, we were the same way. We wanted to emulate our, our idols, whoever they were. And, um, you know, so these days you've got, Cardi B and Megan The Stallion and you know any other numbers that we could and everything about uh, many of them not all of them but about many of them is there is it's a sexualized image and so which is so disappointing because MTV back in the day oh, I mean you did of course have the sexualized Madonna but like I can't turn on music videos for my children I can't just I can't just like put it on uh-huh. and just leave it on uh-uh. I, that's off topic, but like yeah. that does bum me out that I wish music videos was a thing in my household, but it just can't be because yeah. the next video that comes on, oh my word, it's it's just full, explicit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it's just, and it's honestly, you start going this, the same thing oh, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's quite redundant. Yeah, it's redundant. <laughs> it's like been done for forever, forever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. It obviously sells. That obviously still sells. Sex sells. That's right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, trying to educate kids on that to be wise consumers of, okay, so yeah, this message is, seems really fun for you. It seems, it seems, nah, no big deal. It makes, I'm popular. I'm mm-hmm. well liked, you know, for doing this kind of stuff. But let's think about long term what this is going to be. And so, yeah, that's a huge part of what we do is, is help them think long term. 
what else is the health class not teaching that you kind of dive into that's that's really helpful for these kids to be hearing? You're straining my brain right now, Derek. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I said, it's been a while since I've been in the classroom. Um, one, one, I think one thing I remember that was impactful was I think you guys talked about like coming at coming at not having sex or not having sexual relationships as and you kind of framed it in this way you were like do you want to be poor when 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 you grow up or do you want to be middle class the poverty equation yeah what is that so explain that so um that is a um it's a i mean it's an equation it's a scientific scientifically proven fact that the sooner the sooner you have sex in the more likely you are to um get venereal diseases okay. to um, broken heart, which some people gotta go, eh, you know, that's just part of life. Well, that can be pretty serious for a lot of people, actually. Um, obviously, getting pregnant is a really, um, really risky, is, is a huge risk in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, so they, they talk about there's, I think it's three major things. If you can get those done, your chances of living in poverty are dramatically reduced. And so that's um, graduate from high school. Okay. And get a full-time job. Okay. So you can go to college, obviously, before that, um, or just go straight into working, or go to a trade school, whatever the case may be. But get a full-time job that that is has good pay, something that you could support a family. Okay. okay? So graduate high school, get a job. Whether you go to college or person is not important. And um, the third thing is get married at twenty-one or later, okay. and have babies. After you get married, not before. Okay. I mean, that's very important. It's not, and it's not even religious people that are made up this equation, right? Sure. It's just sociologists looking at our culture and saying those three factors, if if you can follow at least those three, your chances of living in poverty are only like 2%. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so, yeah, we talk, we absolutely share that with the kids and go, that's why it's, that's why we talk to you guys about this. Because I mean, who, you know, you ask them who wants to live in poverty and, We've had some kids, you know, what's poverty? And so, you know, you don't have enough to just meet your basic needs and certainly not that of a family. And so, I mean, saying it differently, we'd say if you did, then you have a 90, 98% chance of pushing you towards that lower income bracket because you just have the weight of the world now going against you. Yeah. You you just don't have the resources to do what you need to support yourself in a family. That's got to be shocking. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. Um, Cuz that's that's just a different way of saying it. You right. know, it's like I know you want to live in the now and mm-hmm. and be the best you and everything's affirmed in how you feel and sure. yeah, and that you're special, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. Uh that's fine. Sure. But if you do these things, you have a pretty dang good chance of having a life of a little bit more convenience than yeah. if you didn't do those things that's yeah. that's that's really important yeah. i think yeah that's that's kind of a big thing um yeah you see kids eyes get kind of wide when we talk about that one is there any pushback in the audience uh, or from these kids that that when they hear these things that make them angry or you know make them frust or frustrated that that you're this these facts are being said or this data is being given the only so when, at the very end of every class we give um their they do an evaluation of us. You know, we want to know how this affected them, whether they liked it, hated it, whatever. And so one of the questions we ask is, um, after hearing this presentation, 
you know, what are, what are your decisions going to be regarding sexual activity? You know, are you going to, you know what? Hey man, I'm abstinent until I get married. Okay. Um, and the whole, <laughs> we need to come back to the abstinence thing, but, um, <laughs> okay. abstinent, am I going to stay abstinent until I'm married? Um, I'm not sure I'm already sexually active and I don't, don't plan on changing. Did I say undecided? Yeah. Those are the three months. It seems like there's a fourth one, but those are the three main things. Okay. And so, um, <laughs> it's interesting. The more rural, rural the school is, mm-hmm. the more kids that mark the, I'm going to remain abstinent. Okay. The clo- more urban we get, that we used to not have that undecided um, part. Yeah. And that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, as the, as the years have gone, I've seen that get really bigger. Gotcha. And almost without question, the kids that, that don't like what we're saying about it's just wiser to wait. And we're not, we're not even saying you have to wait till marriage. We're not, we're not doing that. Right. We're just saying if you choose to have sex, these are the things you need to know about before you do that. Like, like any big decision, you need to do a risk assessment, right? Sure. And so this is a really big decision and we emphasize that. And so these are the things you need to know so that you can, you know, have those risks not be as big of a deal. Um, and but the kids that are already sexually active, they are the only ones that are not sometimes, but not always, sometimes not happy about what we say. Because you're coming in giving yeah. them some some facts about some decisions that they've already made, right? And uh, that's probably going to be that's going to ruffle their feathers yeah. of going. Like, I want to make good decisions in my life. You're saying I'm a bad. You're saying I'm, a, I'm making bad decisions. I'm a bad person sure. or something, well, which yeah. isn't what you're saying. However, but, they process. Yeah, it. however, yeah we're, yeah, we're telling them that this behavior may not be the best. Yeah, that's 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 tough. Yeah, it is tough. So I mean, so we have to talk about abstinence. I love it. So <laughs> I'm not sure how much you're aware, but because I, I wait, hold on, yeah. because I would assume if some. My my first assumption would be like, oh, Christian education about sex, we're just going to get, Absolutely. we're just really framing everything down a funnel right, right. to the end of like, this is why, mm-hmm. this is how the equation works out, why you just don't do it. Right. Okay. Yeah, like, there's a lot of people that assume we have an agenda. Right. If there's any criticism that people would have. So this falls into this... <laughs> huge debate that still goes on in Uh our country, um, you know, to varying degrees in different states, but about how we do sex ed in the schools. Okay. And so, um, and it, sadly, it comes down to the classic lines, you know, liberal conservative, you know, Republican Democrat. I mean, it falls right smack in the middle of all of that. Right. And so, um, I don't want my kid being taught. Right these things religious you're ju- non-religious you're just giving them the tools to have it but yet not have children like giving them the tools right right they can have safe sex now oh right 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 and just not have children right how would how dare you you yeah. know like yeah, yeah. You, anyways you know, yeah oh, whichever yeah. line that is sure, i think sure, we can sure. assume but yeah well that means so yeah so you have the more conservative side they're angry that we're we're talking about birth control at all and but we do we absolutely do and gotcha. the, the more the more okay. li- liberal leaning side, they don't think we talk about enough in terms of um, mm-hmm. birth controls and and the fact that we all the options that are available. We, yeah, we talk about all the options. We and 
we because we're obviously we're talking to kids um what is the percentage of kids that become sexually active in high school 40 percent. i actually think it's down to 38 percent, and i think the internet has a huge amount to do with that but only about 38 percent of high schoolers become sexually active before they graduate and okay. so we know but we also know that that number doubles the first two years of college and so we know we're talking to kids that even if they're not sexually active now, they're looking at it very near in their future. And so we're not we're not naive, you know. Right. Even and the stats okay, remind me to come back to the stats about church kids and, <laughs> and not church kids because it's shocking. Um, but we're talking to an audience that spans the gamut. And the smallest percentage are the ones that are gonna choose to be abstinent before they get married. That is a tiny percentage. Okay. I'm sorry to tell you, but it just is. But it's just the reality. We just have yeah. to Yeah. We just have to understand that. And so when I'm talking to kids and I really want them to be educated and prepared for down the road, whether they're gonna, you know, sleep around with everybody they encounter or they're gonna wait until they only sleep with that one really special boyfriend or girlfriend, and then they get engaged to that person, mm-hmm. either direction. We're, we're talking to all those kids. And so we're saying, we're just going to be honest with you about what the risks could be for you mm-hmm. in this regard. I mean, the whole thing on STDs is enough to just make you fall down and cry. I mean, it's just, it's terrible. And 50% of all new STD cases that happen every year are in the age group between 14 and 25. Oh. So they are Yikes. they are hit incredibly hard with this stuff, and there's they're now gonorrhea and chlamydia in particular are turning into superbugs. Like we're running out of antibiotics to treat them. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's the whole STDs talk in itself is very scary, and so wow. it's like we're trying to help them understand. You guys, this could have really serious repercussions for you, and like both again, of those can again, lead to infertility why <laughs> we're so worried about a pandemic, right? We got so wrapped up into health yeah. and saving. Yeah. This is another area yeah. that we probably should. Yeah. I am going to pause real go quick. It. Okay. Sorry about that. I had to go to the restroom. <laughs> um, no problem. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yeah. So the STD thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, they call it, they, they call it an epidemic, really, within the within that age group, um, and the, and the the diseases keep getting more and more serious. Syphilis, we thought syphilis was gone. Oh no, it is back with a vengeance now. Okay, now I'm really scared. Yeah, I mean not yeah. for myself, but just like these words that like absolutely. Did, I yeah, totally. Like I didn't have any. I thought that was just something that happened yeah. in bigger cities. That like you know, and you know, w- you know, for older adults that are just promiscuous and yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, so that's one of the things we talk to the kids about. Okay, this is a really serious risk for you. Yeah, sure. This, I mean, like chlamydia and gonorrhea in particular, you can become infertile from that. And a lot of the kids don't know what that means. And we say, that means you can't have babies. Wow. You know, think about your future family. Do you, you know, maybe you don't want to be a parent now, but what about down the road? And health classes would use these. I mean, I remember these words in health class, but I don't remember like the, the application. Yeah, uh, absolutely. S- application. We, uh, we education. worked really hard actually at keeping our statistics up to date on that. And, yeah. And just making sure the kids understand these are the long term <laughs> repercussions of this stuff. And I mean, um, okay, I'm totally blanking on the, the one you can get vaccinated for now. Why can't I think of that? 
You get it vaccinated at 11 or 12. My daughter just got it. Oh, Lord have mercy. Well, that's okay. S- somebody's out there is going, that's this, Suzanne. Um, it's going to come to me. That's okay. But it's the vaccine for it. People used to say, oh, it's annoying me. I can't think of that. People <laughs> used to say, no, this is, if you get your kid vaccinated, your elementary age child vaccinated for this, it's giving them permission to be sexually active. Oh. And it's like, oh my word, no, 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 no. It's an anti-cancer vaccine because this sexually transmitted disease can turn into cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Why can't I think of that? Don't worry about it. Anyway, it's, and so that's part of our education as well. So we talk to the kids about this. Like, no, this is absolutely not giving you permission to have more sex. Yeah. It's because the cancers usually don't show up till you're 40, 45 years old. Wow. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it's pretty serious. It's, and I, I would believe STDs is probably the, the 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 topic of discussion that most people, if they're dealing with it or struggling with it, are not going to talk about it. Oh yeah. So that's why we probably don't hear about. Well, yeah, it's these not. numbers being so crazy high. It's like because no one's going dis- to discuss. Hey, yeah, let, let's talk about way, my gonorrhea. Guess what I learned at the health department today? <laughs> if they went to the health department, and yeah, that's, that's the other thing is emphasizing. Okay. If you're going to be sexually active, let's be honest about this. If you're going to be sexually active, you need to go get tested every single year. Oh, my gosh. Every single year. And the health department does free testing if you're under 18, and it's really cheap if you're over 18. So, that I mean, that's that's just a basic public health message. <sighs> Pretty important. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get back to a couple things. We're going to get to the church kids, but I definitely want to talk about, you know, the Internet and the education that, is feeding mm-hmm. our, our youth on the internet. Right. Um, I, I think that's, I think that's the one thing and, and, and people, I don't even think agree on it is that the reality of what the kids are exposed to on the internet and how, you know, back in my day, I say that like, gosh, I feel so old, but back in my day, you know, I feel like the narrative was if you're a virgin in high school, you're, you're not cool. I'm sure the narrative is still there, but that's about as deep as like Mm -hmm. the, the teasing kind of went about sexuality. But then as I really think about it, the pornography lessons of sex and sexual relationships was like, holy, it just, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're having sex with somebody just in a missionary position, you're boring, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not good at it, right? and you're not going to be seen as good at it, right? and you just have to do these, these you have to go down the, the dark hole of, like, what can you think of? Yeah, the bizarre. Yeah, the bizarre. Of. And that, that, was, that was, that hit me in the face, too, of, like, how your brain works and it'll just start getting numb to the, mm-hmm. to the, uh, the boring, I guess right. the, the, the boring pictures yeah. or the boring stuff and your, your brain will, I, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing all around the room here, but I think I heard an interview with Jeffrey Dahmer mm-hmm. and he came out and said, I was a normal person until yeah. I found pornography. Yep. And it, he said it turned on everything in my brain to go crazy and mm-hmm. to think of, all the things that I will, because it gives you permission to just go, well, oh, yeah. well, what, what's in there, what's in my brain. And then let me yeah. go find it yeah. and see if, Makes see if you I think can... of things you never would have thought of before. Right. Well, and that's, that's because of porn that has also made people think, um, I have like sex is almost a sport and I have to be good at it. Sure. 
And so if, if you're single and you're, you're moving up in this world, you know, this is something I have to be good at because I'm going to have multiple partners Yep. and I want to be known for being good at this. And that's both the guys and the girls. Right. And so, and porn has done that to us instead of sex being something that is intimate and special because this relationship is special. It's turned into almost like a sport. Seriously. Yeah. And, and that's just, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's tragic. Sure. Because the, the outcome of that in terms of the lives that are destroyed as a result of, I mean, how many marriages uh, there was the last stat I heard was that, um, and this was in a particular state and I can't remember where it was, but the, 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 Divorce Lawyers Association said <laughs> 60% of the divorces they deal with, pornography is a factor. Sure, because it's a shameful thing. It's something hidden. And then when it comes out, yeah. people don't know how to handle it correctly, right. how to engage with it, or even have the understandings that, I mean, I'm not trying to give excuse to men or anybody who is in mm-hmm. a porn addiction, but mm-hmm. it's it's an addiction. Yeah, it is extremely it It's ex- yeah, you have a smoking addiction or a drinking addiction. I mean, this is something that you can have daily mm-hmm. and no one can know about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it can be super ongoing for, yeah. for a long time. And then you wire yourself to just this is just my daily dose of, right. of what I of what I do. Um, but yeah, it can become destructive, right? Very, very destructive. And I mean, if you talk to the people in the world of psychology, there's some debate about whether it's an an official addiction. But interesting. Um, yeah. But like people that deal with this and people that help with people who have this um, compulsive habit, if you want to call it that, they will tell you it is exactly like an addiction. I know what I wanted to get back to is the the idea that sexual uh, uh, sexual interaction is maybe going down oh, yeah. for high schoolers or yeah. or because young adults because they're they so go to the Internet. They're so uh, just addicted to the Internet. Yeah. It's very and true. they don't need, yeah. which you would go, okay, well, that fixed the problem. Yes and no. It creates another one. Yeah, but when you have men and women at a at a dance and they don't know how to dance with each other mm-hmm. because they don't know how to look each other in the eye. They don't know. Because they've had minimal social interaction. Yes, right. And the interaction I've had with women, it's in this really weird yeah. way. I don't know how to just talk to you. Exactly, yeah. Or, how to, is, have, or how to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah, just have a conversation with these kids. Yeah, um, that is absolutely true. Oh. And um, yeah, you have kids don't even, they don't go out. Like we, we our generation, we went out. We had to. The, yeah, we went out on the weekend. We, we, we wanted to spend time with our friends. Now they do it online. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then particularly if they're curious about sex, you can learn, you can find out anything. I mean, that's no surprise to anybody nowadays. Sure. Right? The internet will teach you or take you anywhere you want to go. Right. And so obviously as a as a as an adolescent, hello, what is what is or what is an orgasm? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a term a lot of them don't understand. And they go, Oh, and of course then that links you to the porn sites. Yeah. And away they go. And so they don't need to have an interaction with another human being to get that particular question answered or that and urge fulfilled. And I think it's even more important that it is just screamed out loud that these interactions, of course we can say, okay, yeah, of course this isn't a normal husband and wife interaction. But even the the details that are in the pornography, oh, like, yeah. you know, what women want or what men want, it is just, it's, it's false, yeah. right? It's just, these aren't real things. This <laughs> yeah. is not actually how it works. You right. don't, 
you don't do it this way. Yeah. Um, you, you can. Sure. And it might be exciting, but sure. it definitely doesn't create a bond that yeah. maybe keeps the marriage going. Right. And I think and I think that goes back to the divorce rate as, as well. I think yeah. men bring that into their marriage and go, "This is what I've always expected it to be. Sure. Why don't Why don't Why aren't you like her?" Yeah, terrible disappointment. Yeah, I saw hundreds of women. They're sure. just like this. Why aren't you like that? Something's wrong with my wife. You know, yeah. just horrible. Well, yeah, implications. The expectations completely outside of reality. And we do. We talk to the kids about this. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll go, This, these are paid, well, <laughs> depending on which porn you watch. Sure. Um, these are paid actors, and they're actors. Yeah. Okay, this is this yeah. is not reality. Yeah. This is, this is somebody's fantasy that is, you know, is just not going to happen in Usually the man's. Yeah. It's not going to happen in real life. And the way women, I mean, that's very well known, the way women are treated in porn is abusive. Violent. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's another statistic. 80% of pornography shows um, violence towards women. So, hello, we're teaching a generation that that is, you know, I always ask when I state that stat, when we state that stat, I ask the women, how, how many of you ladies think that's a great way to have a relationship? How many of you want to be abused in the bedroom? It's interesting. We get all this talk and all this uh, name calling about the patriarchy of like there is this mm-hmm. heavy hand, heavy, heavy handed uh, system going on mm-hmm. for for the males, but it really could be found directly in this industry. And oh, it's yeah. And I wish I had numbers on the industry, but y- you got to believe it's just it, oh, it's rampant. It's so high. Yeah. I I heard a stat of like you know, when the Super Bowl halftime or the Super Bowl mm. had a lights out or something like, I, mean, I think it was in New Orleans mm-hmm. where the lights went out. Mm. They said like all the porn websites just like skyrocketed. Oh, right. They couldn't watch the Super Bowl. They, the, the Super Bowl so wasn't going on right to, now. Yeah, so yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. was online. So everybody was like, I got time yep. and I'm, I'm, I want to be stimulated. Right. And it just like, they just saw all these numbers just like yeah. throw up. Well, let's talk about, speaking of Super Bowl, let's talk about that really super controversial um, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Halftime show. Yeah, right. right. We're, we're up in arms about right. some butt shaking, right? Right, right, right. So, but that was huge in terms of, so um, people like in my field, Relate360, we, um, you look at the statistics of what happened in the porn world after those uh, performances. Okay. Um J-Lo obviously was already pretty well known. Shakira was not as well known. Uh And searches for Shakira went up over 1,000% on porn sites, like Pornhub and whatever else, you know. Um, Pornhub's for sale right now, by the way. I don't know if it's gotten bought or not. Oh, my gosh. They were getting hit really, really hard. Their valuation has got to be huge. Yeah, they were getting hit pretty hard, though, about some people that were trying to end the sexual exploitation that happens on them. So, yay for that. Yeah, sure. But anyway, yeah, I mean, the the searches for these women on porn sites after that were just skyrocketed. And it's just like, okay, yeah, this is... Sure. This is what... My brain is wired that if I need something, I know how to get it. Yeah. And I think that this is all going back to our point is that these dudes, young dudes, mm-hmm. if they can get it sure. effortlessly, yep. why why work for it? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. They, you know. So they're stunted, right? Yeah, they go into college. They have no idea how to have a real relationship or mm-hmm. a healthy one or how to pursue a woman just in a friendship way. Yeah, it's. Maybe I would assume that then the females that should be you know, courted, 
properly, right, are then eager for someone to court them, right, and then they have to then simulate Fall these this trap these well. these stigmas of like what if that's what they want, then I'll just be that, sure, regardless of how I feel. Well, it's a hookup culture. So what the idea is right. is that your first your initial reactions uh, or your initial interactions with somebody need to be sexual, mm. and so that's where the hookup culture comes from. Now, right, that's a that's a popular phrase it's not as common as we think it is because it's been so highlighted um but you talk to a lot you see the the statistics of college students and usually like the first two years that's a big deal but they learn pretty quick this is really not fulfilling at all sure and they begin to look for something else but it's it's really tough yeah it's really tough yeah i wanted to get back to you're, you said that you had some stats on the church kids. <laughs> I I figured yes. the church and religious kids are going to have the best stats because they are taught so well in the church to handle the, these sort of situations the best way. That's what you're <laughs> going to say, Susan? <laughs> um, I wish. So I began to look at this really early on with Relay 360 because— um, you know, so there's the fight in our country between abstinence-only education, which I just want to go on the record as saying I really don't think abstinence-only education is is the best way to go. Okay. It's, it's unrealistic. It's actually not helpful to these students that are in a hypersexualized culture. Yeah. It's just not helpful. So, but I wanted to see, like, does abstinence-only education really work? You know, and so I just assumed that kids that went to church were going to be have better results in that regard. Oh, sure. Yeah. At least 50% of them wait, right? Till marriage, right? right? Sure. So I was deeply uh, surprised and disappointed to learn that. So 90% of the American population does not wait for sex until they're married. Okay. Um, and so then found the stats on, okay, if you just separate out the quote unquote Christians, people that have a religious upbringing and, you know, they say that that's important to them. Um, 80% of them are sexually active before they get married. Okay. And so it's only a difference. We're not changing. Yeah. We're not changing yeah. the world or anything. No, it's only a difference of 10%. Yeah. And so I quickly called some pastor friends of mine. And when I heard that, cause I was, uh-huh. I was so shocked. Ooh, I like this. And, and I said, okay, I know this would be anecdotal, you know, information I said, but does that sound right to you? And it was two, two friends of mine and both of them had been in ministry and marrying people for like 30 years. And they both like did a quick tally and said, yeah, that actually sounds exactly right. Right. Yeah. It's just like, oh man. So who are we kidding? Right. So when we step into the classroom, it's like Christian or not church raised or not. Sure. We need to give them all the information. And we say that we do it in a wholesome way. We're not trying to get kids to have sex. We're not being explicit or nothing like that. We're just giving them the facts of of what is in front of them, the choices that they have, and they do have choices. I, I guess yeah. So that's the that's down to the brass tacks of like what is Relate Three Sixties ultimate goal for healthy relationships? How do you quantify that? How do you um what it, what is where is the funnel going to? Where is the educational going to? Is it these just them knowing that the choices are 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 available to them or is there, is there some greater outcome obviously that you think this is heading towards? Well, I mean, I wish I could point to, we need a volunteer to graduate student volunteer to come do this long-term study for us. Yeah, true. That, you know, um, interviews. So it's scientific. It shows the data. Yeah. Yeah. So it shows like seniors or, you know, 
sophomore in college, if they heard relate through 16, those who heard it and those who didn't, and if there's any difference in the choices that they right. made. Um, even if you can get kids to students to delay sexual initiation until they're 18 or older, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference in their outcomes. Okay. So, um, so that is certainly something that we emphasize. Just, just wait. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait until you are older and mat- more mature before you start making, because the more, the older they are, the better decisions they make. They might actually use a condom. They might actually use birth control. They might actually go get tested for an STD if they happen to use no protection sometime. And so it just has healthier outcomes for them. Um, and yeah, we're, we're very frank with them about this is absolutely your choice. Eighth graders, we say, you have a choice about this. Mm-hmm. You, you live in a home and you have influences around you that might want you to make this choice in a certain direction. But you have a choice whether or not to listen to them or not. And so kids that come from homes where their moms and dads are talking about this stuff, they make better choices. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little secret there for the parents out there that kids who come from homes where this is an open discussion and they can get their questions answered. Yeah. They, they make better choices down the road. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not surprised this hour went by pretty dang quick. Um, and we have, we have a lot more to discuss. Um, maybe we'll get Maggie and have you, or have you back. And Suzanne, I really appreciate you for what you've done for Mm -hmm. the community at large in, in this area. Um, for anybody listening out there, uh, relate 360 is it relate 360.com or what's the website? Dot org. Um, you know, if you are, if you know a teacher or, you know, anybody in the school system, please, if you, if you think this information is important to your family or other people's family, please support relate 360. Um, I, you know, knowing a little bit behind the curtain, the, the organization is not thriving, Mm -hmm. uh, because people don't care, but just because it's just logistically, it's a, it's a nightmare to try to get schools to want to see this as valuable mm-hmm. and uh, want to bring it in sometimes. But um, some people are working their tails off to keep the keep the the torch lit and mm-hmm. and and going. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, if there's one subject that's going on right now that I I think needs to have a have a larger spotlight and and voice is the the reality that our kids are going to be dealing with this and we would love for them to make better choices. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they want to they want to hear the information. So and they want to hear it too. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, I think that's true. It They're goes back to kind of like you know other organizations that deal with high school and youth. You know, they go. You know, if you're not, if they're not talking to their parents about it, which is probably pretty minimal. They're going to talk to somebody and mm-hmm. whether they're friends or whoever, and they're are, where are they going to get the best information? Yeah. And, uh, usually, so yeah, usually not from their friends. <laughs> yeah, not probably not. Yeah. Um, so anyways, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for listening guys. And, uh, we'll see you next time.